podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. This week's message, the Archbishop starts with part two on the message and significance of the number 12. This message will encourage you to how to access transgenerational blessings, gain deliverance and release from every stronghold and setback in your life. Reignite your prayer life with the Archbishop's book, Prayer Moves God. Secure your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of deliverance for you. Be inspired as you listen. There is something that is fighting the young generation to make sure that they don't even survive like the old generation. The old generation fought for 12 years of a disease, a blood disease, bleeding for 12 years. But she survived. 12 years she fought. But the young generation was not given the chance to live to fight. They took it out. They took the young generation out. As never before, the young generation must never think or believe that they don't need the old. Please be seated. And the old generation must never think or believe that they don't need the young generation. The old generation needs the new generation. The new generation needs the old generation. We got to find a way to work together. There is no way the old generation can survive without the young generation. And the young generation will not survive without the old generation. The right hand needs the left hand. It has to work together. And the young generation must understand that the enemy that is fighting the old generation is the same enemy fighting the young generation. And that nobody wins in this battle, but the two must work hand in hand. You know, like someone reminded me, if you look at the young little boy, had two fishes and five loaves of bread and brought it to the old generation. The young generation had the provision, but they didn't know how to multiply it. They had to bring the provision to the old generation to multiply the provision. The old generation have experience, have anointing, but they don't have the provision the young generation has. They don't have the energy of the young generation. So the young generation must bring their provision to the old generation so they put it together and multiply so they can be a miracle. Somebody put your hands together and say, I hear you. There are depths in that message. I'm not through with it yet. But I'm going to try and attempt to shift from that and we'll come back to that later. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject I entitled The Four Ds. Somebody say The Four Ds. Come with me to the book of Acts chapter number 10 and looking at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. 
And the Bible said, who went about doing good and healing all them that were oppressed of the devil, for God Almighty was with him. Today, in the name of Jesus, let the oppressed go free. Let the oppressed among us go free. Let the oppressed within our walls go free. Let the oppressed home and abroad go free. For Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday. He's still the same today. He's still the same tomorrow. He's still in the business of setting the oppressed free. Somebody put your hands together and command the oppressed to go free right now. Oppressed at home. Oppressed abroad. Let the oppressed go free right now. As we put our hands together, let the oppressed go free. Let the oppressed go free. So many are oppressed. Amen. We live in a time and in the age, ladies and gentlemen of humanity, where the world and God's kids or God's children are facing such evil onslaught from the adversary like we've never seen before in the history of humanity. And it's because the enemy knows his time is too short. His time is at hand, so he's doubling down on God's children. And as never before, the children of God must be awake, must be awake, must be circumspective, must be vigilant. The Bible says, be vigilant and be sober. For the adversary, the devil is as a rolling lion seeking who he may devour. I pray that none hearing the sound of my voice will be devoured by the enemy. I pray that you will not be devoured by the adversary. If you believe it, put your hands together and say yes. He's seeking ignorant people who are ignorant of his devices. And one of the things the adversary loves in doing is to allow us to have all the knowledge of God we need and must have, but to keep us ignorant of his devices. Because as long as we are ignorant of his devices, it gives him an advantage. And for whatever reason, the church is very ignorant of the devices of the adversary. We have knowledge of God and knowledge of our redemption, knowledge of the blood, knowledge of the finished work of the cross. But for whatever reason, we are ignorant of his, ad his devices as an adversary. And the Bible said, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Prenostus, all-round knowledge. We lack understanding and that lack of knowledge of who we are contending with and dealing with that you and I have an adversary out there. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, it makes no difference. Whether you believe in the adversary's devices or not, it makes no difference. You can go stand on Villaggio, the tallest building out there, and say, I don't believe in the law of gravity and jump. And we'll be holding a funeral service very soon. So what you believe and what you, believe, what you don't believe don't really matter. Truth is truth. And there is only one truth. And the word of God is the only truth. Put your hands together and say amen to that. I 
as long as the adversary can keep you and I ignorant of his devices. For the Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices lest he gains an advantage over us. The maintenance of your ignorance of your adversary is his advantage over you. I pray that the veil will be lifted over us. That the veil will be destroyed and that you and I will no more be ignorant of the devices of the adversary. Say I hear you. 1 John 3, 8, B. 1 John 3, 8, B. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word manifested means he was revealed, revealed, revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not, this world is controlled by an adversary. Jesus said in John 14, 30, the other day, he said, the prince of this world cometh, but has nothing in me. Jesus recognized the enemy as the prince of this world. And he said, he cometh, but he don't have anything in me. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible calls him the God of this world. He's the God of this world. Then Luke 4, 5, and 6, Jesus met the adversary the other day. And the enemy said to Jesus, he said, he took him to a high mountain, look at verse 6. And then he said, the kingdoms and the glory um, that you see, the kingdom, the glory of this world was delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will I give it. He has power. He talked about power. He talked about glory. And he said, all these things was delivered to me by Adam. And anyone who compromises and gives me God's worship can have it. So the devil also gives riches. I'm not too impressed. I'm not too impressed with riches. Uh, because there are many ways to, 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 to get money. You can get money through the right means or through the wrong means. And, and the Bible said that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And for then, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and have good success. So if there is good success, it stands to reason logically that there is bad success. And so there are people who have made it at the expense of the sufferings of the masses. People have acquired wealth at the expense of others. They've killed, they destroy others in order to amass wealth. And there is a price for that. It's just a matter of time you pay for it. So if there is good success, there is bad success. And I don't want us to be ignorant of the adversary's devices. I was telling one of the bishops, I said, anytime I come to a funeral, and it's a funeral of people who are not yet 90 and above, most times I'm very angry. Because I understand God's provision for you and I. That God desires that we should live a, a life full of many years and good health. And that is not God's plan for any to die prematurely. And I have many questions, many unanswered questions. But I've come to realize that when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you medication for a particular illness, if you don't take and apply the medication, you never get better and well. And it's the same thing with the promises of God. 
The promises of God in them are yea and amen. And it only works for you and I when we apply the scriptures, when we appropriate the promises and proclaim them and declare and engage what is written. It doesn't work because it is written. It's a provision made. You got to apply it. You got to make use of it. Somebody say, I hear you. So come with me as we begin our journey on the four Ds. The first scripture here is Mark chapter 4, from verse 35 to 41. Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. And the same day when the event was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. You see, it, 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 it's something very interesting here. I said in the first service, they carried him. That word took him means they carried him. Yeah, they took him. Jesus was so worn out, fatigued, weary, burnt out, that he couldn't walk into the boat. He had to literally be carried by his disciples. Turn to somebody and say, who is carrying you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now and then, you will need somebody to carry you. You, you need somebody to, to bear you up. You need somebody to help you out. And Jesus, as anointed as he was, he was burnt out and so weary and fatigued at this particular time that he couldn't walk into the boat, that the disciples had to carry him into the boat. Are you hearing me, somebody? I know you are anointed, but every now and then, you need somebody to carry you. I know you are gifted, but you need somebody to carry you. I know you are successful, but every now and then you need somebody to carry you. I know you have deep pockets and you are loaded and you are connected and you have investment and properties and you have secured your life for the next 50 years. But ladies and gentlemen, every now and then you're going to need somebody to carry you. Come on, put your hands together and say yes. They carried him into the boats. You're going to need somebody to carry you. Mr. Samuel, one of my spiritual fathers, said something. He said, in this life, if you can find one person that you can stand naked before, not ashamed, not afraid, and not worried that they will use your nakedness against you, you are a very blessed person. I don't know about you. I don't know if you have one person in this whole world you can call a friend. Someone that holds you accountable. Someone that you can start naked before and you are not ashamed, unashamed, unafraid that it will be used against you. If you can't find that one person, you are to be pitied. If your confidence and the sense of security you have in life, ladies and gentlemen, is derived from money, numbers, and success. You are to be pitied among all men. The other day, the Bible said, let him that boasts in this world, boast of this one thing, that he knows I, the Lord, who execute justice, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. Let him boast of the fact that he knows I, the Lord. Not numbers, 
not wealth, not investment, not property, but that he knows I, the Lord, because the grass withered. The flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of the Lord abided forever. Somebody put your hands together and give him praise. Somebody say yes. They carried him into the boat. Who is carrying you? Who is praying for you? Who has your back? Who is there for you when everything fails? Ladies and gentlemen, there come a time when money fails. During the time of the pandemic, I saw on CNN people throwing money on the streets of Italy through their windows. They were throwing money on the streets of Italy. And that day, thieves wouldn't touch it. The armed robbers were not interested to steal, to steal that day. They saw that money meant nothing. Are you hearing me, somebody? Because people had money and they were dying. Billionaires died alone, all alone by themselves on the bed of the hospital. And their families, their loved ones could not come to see them. They were buried without being seen and visited by loved ones. Their money couldn't save them. Investment couldn't save them. Connection wouldn't save them. Properties would not save them. They were left all alone by themselves. There come a time in all of our lives when you're going to need somebody. And hear me, right now is the time to build those relationships. Come on, go ahead. Come on, go ahead. This is the time to build the bridges. This is the time to build bridges. If you are one that is always on your own, you don't build friendship, you don't build relationships, you're always right. Everybody's wrong. Something is off, I'm telling you. Something is wrong. Build bridges now. Build bridges. Because you're going to need it one of these days. Go ahead. And there were also with him other little ships. No, no, no. Now, just before we go on. They were what? Also with other. him, other little ships. That means there were other vessels. Uh -huh. It wasn't just his ship. There were other ships with him. Who is with you? Who are the other vessels that are with you? Who are the other businesses that are backing your business? So in the event of some kind of a crisis with your business, you can fall upon others and you can call for help. How come it's just you and you are not surrounded with other ships? Where are the other vessels? There were other ships with him. Who is with you? For two is better than one. And one shall put a thousand to flight, but two shall put ten thousand to flight. Where are the other ships? Where are the other vessels? Go ahead. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Uh -huh. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Uh -huh. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You see, Jesus was so exhausted. And ministry is very exhausting. 
I'm telling you. There have been times, I remember when I lived in America, there was a particular time I was preaching in North Dakota and then some part of Florida. And I was so tired that they literally have to carry me into the car. And they carried me into the car, into the bishop's office. And I have to struggle to get in the pulpit. And as soon as I got into the pulpit, the anointing of God came upon me like a mantle. And I felt the power of God. And I will minister and bless the people. And as soon as I finished, the anointing was lifted. And my body was back in pain. And they have to carry me back into the car to carry me back into my hotel. And I was blessing people at a heavy price. And they had no idea of what I was going through in my body to bless them. And miracles were happening. And I was tired. I was exhausted. I was weak. I wasn't resting. I was moving from city to city. And here, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Tell, tell somebody, there is always the other side. There's always the other side. There are two sides of everything. And, and it's dangerous to just make a conclusion by listening to one side. You must always listen to the other side. Somebody say the other side. But, but hear me, sometimes the adversary has a way to make you believe that where you are is great and everything is okay and everything is beautiful. But God always has another side. He always has the other side. Say yes. At this time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was in this particular side of Jordan. And the whole township had come. And there were great wonders and miracles were being performed. Great move of God. Miracles, healings were taking place. God was working among his people. Then suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly, God said, son, I need you on the other side. You've been in Mark chapter 4 for too long. I need to begin Mark chapter 5. I have some things on the other side called Mark chapter 5. I need you to leave alone the experience, the move and the miracles and the wonders, the excitement, the numbers, the success, the money, everything you have experienced in Mark chapter 4. I want you to walk away from them. Go past it. Leave it alone. Don't get excited about it. Stop dwelling on it. Move to Mark chapter 5. I have mind-blowing things for you in Mark chapter 5. Somebody say Mark chapter 5. Somebody say the other side, the other side. As Jesus sat in the boat to the other side, something took place. There was a heavy distraction. And it was what I call unforeseen and unexpected. Today, in the name that is above every other name, let every unforeseen and unexpected storms crisis and winds that have been released against you and our families, our loved ones, our nation, let it be intercepted and averted. Somebody say intercepted and averted. Put your hands together and say I intercept and avert. Intercept and avert. Intercept and avert. Unexpected. Unforeseen. Crisis. Winds. Storms. Put your hands together. Intercept. Intercept. Hear me. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. 
Please believe me. Things don't just happen. Please hear me. Things don't just happen. Whenever I hear things happening, a lot of things bothers me. And I hear things, and it's because of our lack of knowledge and our prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. You know, the other day, David said something very interesting in 1 Kings 5.4. He said, and the Lord God has given me rest on every side to the effect that I have no adversary and there is no more any evil occurrence. He had lost four of his children. Absalom had risen against him. So many things have happened to David. Some unexpected crises and, and challenges and storms had come against David. But David said, there came a time when the Lord gave me rest on every side that I had no adversary and there was no evil occurrence. I declare, let there be a day, a time in our lives, in your life, in this house, in your family, at the business, at the marketplace, in this nation, where there will be rest on every side, and there will be no evil occurrence, neither will there be any adversary. If you believe it, put your hands together, somebody, and give him praise. Ladies and gentlemen, this was David, a man after God's own heart. This was a prophet. He was a prophet. In Psalm 22, he saw Jesus. Thousands of years before, Jesus was born and hung on the cross. And he cried. And David saw it and said, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And many, many, many years after, came Jesus on the cross. And Jesus fulfilled this scripture. And he cried and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? As anointed as David was, as great as he was, David was the only king in the Bible who was a priest, was a king, and was a prophet. He walked in those three offices, the only. And yet, if you study the life of David, he went through so much unexpected crisis, unforeseen situation that came at him. But there came a time and a day when he said, and the Lord gave me rest on every side. I pray that God will give you rest on every side. Rest on every side. Say yes. That there will be no adversary anymore. Neither will there be any evil occurrence in your life. Jesus didn't tell them about an unexpected storm. He was so exhausted and tired. Even though he himself knew the outcome, he was asleep down below in the ship on a pillow. And the Bible said the disciples cried for fear and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish. I pray that between now and 31st December, that nothing will threaten your life. That nothing will threaten and endanger the life of your family, your business, nor your health. In the name of Jesus, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Let nothing endanger or threaten your health or your, the life of your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your business. In the name of Jesus, say yes. The lives of the disciples were threatened. 
This was seasoned fishermen. They've been in the business of fishing for so long that when they saw the wind and they saw the sea, they knew that uh -uh, this is not just ordinary storm. This is something evil and dangerous and they cry for fear and the Bible said and Jesus rose up from his sleep and he looked at the wind and the Bible said and Jesus rebuked the wind how dare you threaten my life how dare you intimidate my disciples how dare you endanger my mission and my mandate and my let nothing endanger our mission henceforth let nothing threaten our mission by air by land or by water say yes but ladies and gentlemen, Jesus rebuked the wind, but he didn't rebuke the sea, the sea. He didn't rebuke the sea. He spoke to the sea. He rebuked the wind because the wind was the reason for the storm. The sea was vexed. The sea was provoked. The sea was stirred up. The sea was caused to react against the boats. And Jesus said, the, the problem is not the sea, it's the wind. So Jesus went to the back end. He went behind the scene and he dealt with the cause and what was responsible for the storm. Today I pray for you that you will stop dealing with the branches and you will stop dealing with the what I call the effects, say the effects, the effects, the effects. And deal with the cause, say causes and effects. Say the cause and the effect. Until you deal with the cause, you can't change the effect. And whatever it is in your life that is an error, whatever it is in your life that you are trying to make sense of, you are trying to resolve, you are trying to arrest and for whatever reason, you have been unable to address it and to deal with it and it looks like it has become some kind of a bone of contention, some kind of discomfort and dis-ease in your family, in your life, in your health, in your business. Today, in the name of Jesus, we go behind the scenes. Today, we attack the very cause. Today, we interrupt the storm. We deal with the wind behind the situation. Put your hands together and say, I intercept the wind. Intercept the wind. Intercept the wind. Unless you deal with the cause, you can't fix the problem. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, there are strange winds in life. This was an evil wind. It was something unexpected. Unforeseen. The disciples did not expect. They didn't perceive. They didn't see. And there are so many unexpected situations and unforeseen situations that comes into the lives of people. Every now and then, it doesn't matter how anointed you are. You got to learn to pray preventive prayers. Tell somebody preventive prayers. Oh, talk to me. Say preventive prayers. And you must also go beyond preventive prayers and learn to pray what I call transgenerational prayers. Somebody say transgenerational prayers. Before David died, he prayed a prayer for Solomon. And he says, in his prayers, he said, 
Let the gold of Sheba be given unto Solomon, my son. Then he said, all that he may have dominion from coast to coast or from sea to sea. Many years after David had passed away, his prayers came to pass. The queen of Sheba rose up in response to David's transgenerational prayers. And she said, get me my camels and my horses. And she carried gold, sacks of gold, and went, traveled 3,000 miles on foot from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to hand it over to Solomon in response to the father's prayers. All that the old generation may pray for the young generation, that we will bless them and not curse them, even though sometimes it's difficult to manage them because this new generation is facing a lot of situations than we did. And sometimes they can vex you, they can provoke you. Like, like Elijah called, called fire from heaven because the young generation looked at him and they were literally mocking at him because he was bald. Bald-headed prophet. And he said, eh, I'm bald-headed. Let fire come from heaven and consume you. We don't need that kind of anointing. The young generation is already suffering. The enemy wants to kill them already. So we don't need fire to destroy them. We need fire rather to protect them and preserve them. Put your hands together for them. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I hear you. Now, now the thing here that this generation must be very careful and aware of was this, is this. Jesus had so much success on the other side. The whole city was at his crusade. He had the numbers. Like today, social media, people are trending, everything is about numbers, 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 numbers. Jesus had the numbers on his side. He had great success. He had great miracles than anybody you can think of. He was the biggest thing in town. He was hot. And yet God said, Jesus, I'm not interested in what has happened. What has happened is history. I have a new plan. I have another agenda for you. And I want you to give up, let go of that experience of the past. That's why Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting the successes and, and the achievement and, 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 and the victories of the past. He said, I reach out to that which is ahead and before. Sometimes we dwell on the victories of the past. We dwell on the failures, the setbacks, the disappointment of the past. And he has a way of denying us of the possibilities of the future. God said, Jesus, I don't want you to dwell on the success of the past. I've left that place. I've left there. I have something else to do on the other side. I'm through with Mark chapter 4. I'm ready for Mark chapter 5. And so forget about Mark 4. Let's go to Mark 5. There's a new epistle. Uh, there's a new gospel. We call it the synopsis gospel. There's a new gospel. There's a new experience I have in mind. There are some possibilities on the other side of where you are. Don't dwell there. Sometimes we camp and dwell at one place. And we get excited about one thing and one place when God has greater things in store for you and I. The Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ears heard. Now, neither has entered the hearts of men what God has in mind for those who love him. 
and I call according to his purpose. God said, I have some great things in stock. There are possibilities. Don't dwell on the glories of the past. Don't dwell on the, on the mistakes and the failures of the past. Sometimes we dwell so much on the past that it denies us of the possibilities of the future. You know, when you look at the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, there was a great move in Samaria. And, and according to Bible scholars and historians, the population of Samaria was over 200,000 people. And the entire city, entire city, came to Philip's crusade. And there was a great move, according to the Bible, deliverance was taking place, healings and miracles. God was in town. God was in town and was working among the people of Samaria. And everybody was excited about all that was going on in Samaria, the wonders and the miracles of God, the move of God, the revival in Samaria. And suddenly, an angel of God stepped into town from eternity. And pulled Philip out and said, Philip, God is through with this experience. There's another move. And the angel said, Philip, stop getting excited about this. This is history. As long as heaven is concerned, it's done. Stop dwelling on the miracles. Stop taking pictures. Stop trying to put it on the Facebook and, and social media. Stop blowing it up and letting everybody see what God has done through you. Forget it. There's another move greater than this. So leave this alone. There, there's another move on the other side. There is one man. There is one man at the backside of the desert that needs your witness and needs your encounter. Do you know that there is somebody on the other side of your experience that needs your witness? That needs you to touch them. And nobody can touch them like you. And God is counting and depending on you and on your witness to touch somebody, to impact somebody. Please stop being selfish. Please stop being selfish and self-centered. Stop looking inwardly. Stop thinking about you and begin to think about others. For it is all about others. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, I will bless you so you can be a blessing. The essence of living is to be a blessing. The essence of blessing is to be a blessing. God never intended to bless anybody for themselves. Even the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for the benefit and the profit of others. Nothing is for you and nothing is for me. It's for the benefit of others. Even when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, of our born-again spirit, you never see a tree with fruit upon it and the branch or the tree eating its own fruit. You don't bear fruit for yourself. You bear fruit for others to enjoy. Everything God did was for the benefit of others. It, it, it was never done for our own benefits. The problem of nations all across the world today, politically or even in the church, and people talk about corruption, it's lack of understanding of love. Because when you love something, you don't take advantage of it. When you love something, you don't abuse it. When you love something, you don't exploit it. When you love something, you protect it. Somebody say, I hear you. Philip was excited of the revival in Samaria. If it was today, it would be on all the channels. And he would be praising God and taking offerings for that. And showing the whole world how huge and big he was. 
200,000 people in one crusade. Great wonders. And God said, I have a plan for a people in Africa. And this is the only window I have, Philip, to touch Africa. I have found a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. And if you can leave this experience of what's going on in Samaria and reach out to this one man, say, giving up everything for one man. Talk to me. Say, giving everything up, giving everything up for one man. And God said, I need you to let everything go for one man. Say, one man, one man, one man. Where is Kenokoso? Where is Kenokoso? Find your husband. Find him for me. Hear me. God, every now and then, will cause you to give up something for something better. Are you hearing me, somebody? Sometimes we hold on to the past. We hold on to things and God said, let it go, let it go, let it go. I have something better on the other side. Somebody say the other side. Somebody talk to me, say the other side, the other side. The other side is a new experience. It's a new experience. Sometimes we are holding on to things and God says, stop holding on to it. I'm done with it. I got something new for you. I got something else. And Philip was excited about 200,000 people in Samaria. And God said, Philip, you have no idea what I'm looking at. Before the gospel goes to Europe, I wanted to hit Africa. And I have found one man from Ethiopia. And I want him to experience this gospel of my son Jesus. And so leave the experience in Samaria Go to the backside of the desert. Somebody say the backside, the backside, the backside. You see, sometimes God doesn't take us through the city. Samaria was in the city, but this time it was at the backside of the desert. Sometimes it's not straight. Sometimes it's crooked path. Are you hearing me? And so can just hear me. Can of course hear me, hear me, hear me. God said, you got to let something go for something new, for a new experience. You got to let the all go. Let it go. Let it go. Sometimes we think God is taking something. Sometimes we think he's the enemy that is fighting. I have to lose a lot of things for something better. And sometimes I'll be fighting for something. And the Lord said, let it go. Take your hands off it. Let it go. I'm done with this. I'm doing something new. And, and sometimes the way God deals with you will not be straightforward. You see, Samaria was straightforward. It was the city. You could see everything. Everything was in town. This time, it was at the backside of the desert. Behind the scenes. God said, this time, it's not going to be as business as usual. I'm working behind the scenes. Come with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. Verse 26 and 7. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, uh -huh. which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an Enoch, of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh -huh. who had the charge of all her treasury. He was the Ministry of Finance in Ethiopia under the Queen of Ethiopia in those days. Go ahead. And he had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Was returning and sitting in his chariot and he read Isaiah the prophet. 
Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his. So let's stop here. So here was Philip having a group, a great crusade, huge meetings, and people were dwelling on the miracles and demons casting out and powerful moves of God. And, and the angel said, Philip, this is not you. This is God working. Don't take credit for it. Get out of town. Leave town right now. I don't want you to take credit for it because it is God that does it. It's God working. Don't be arrogant. Don't take credit for what God is doing. And he said, there's a new assignment for you. And God said, Philip, Samaria is history. I'm done with it. My attention is on Africa now. There's a eunuch that came to Jerusalem to worship. He's on his way back. I want him to have an encounter of the gospel. That he doesn't have to come to Jerusalem anymore to encounter me. That he can encounter me right in Ethiopia and wherever he Go to the backside of the desert. Tell somebody, God has a new assignment for you. God has a new assignment. And you know what our problem is? Some of the new assignment, like when I was 65, I was so excited about what God has done through my ministry over the years. Not action. I'm bigger than action. When I traveled this time, I was everywhere. I went to a city in Europe, and the biggest work and move taking place in that city is handled by one of my sons who used to live in my house. Taught him how to pray. And he's huge now. One of my own sons. And I went to a lot of mega churches who, who were all my sons. The bishops were all my sons. I trained them. And I was excited about that. And, and the Lord said, don't be excited about that. Go back to the schools. He said, forget about all these your sons who are mega, mega churches. That is history. I have something better and something new for you. Go back to the secondary schools, not even the university. Go begin. Go back to where you began. Go back to the secondary schools, for they are the leaders of tomorrow, and I want you to pour into them. I want you to impact those lives. And I was feeling restless. I felt this restlessness until I started going back to the schools. And whenever I went and I preached, and I finished preaching, I came home, I didn't feel hungry. They said, food is ready, and I don't feel hungry. I can't eat lunch, and I can't eat dinner. I'm full. Why am I full? I'm fulfilling the Father's will. I'm fulfilling the Father's mandate. I'm doing what God requires of me. Hear me. Money does not satisfy. Don't be fooled. There come a day when you realize that you have all the money in this world and yet you don't have appetites. <laughs> Lift up your hand and talk to the Lord in a minute. Talk to the Lord on your own language. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Hear me. True satisfaction is the product of obedience. True satisfaction is the product of obedience. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. Yeah, to be a 
Jesus, Baru When we walk with the Lord. Go ahead, sing it. With the light of his word. What a glorious church on our way. Yes, yes, yes. While we do his good will. He abides. He abides with us. Everybody sing it with your hands lifted up now. Because you see, one of the reasons why so many are not experiencing the possibilities of today and tomorrow is because of the experience of the past. You are dwelling too much on what you used to be. The achievements, the failures, the disappointment, the betrayals of yesterday cannot help you today. Don't allow the misfortunes and the successes of yesterday to define your future or to determine your today. Don't let that happen. Don't dwell on it. Don't say, God always moved this way. He always, no, 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 no. He said, behold, I do a new thing. A new thing. Somebody say a new thing, a new thing. He said, I do a new thing. Behold, will you not know it? Stop telling God how he should suck, how he should do it, how he should fix it. Trust him. That's why Job said, though he slays me, yet I will trust him. Don't tell him how to do it. He does it his own way. I have had so many experiences to the point where right now, God is my source. I have learned to believe God, Bishop. And I have, I have zero expectation when I'm doing things for people. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how rich you are. If I pray for you, I do it out of the love of God. Whether you are rich or poor, it doesn't really matter because you are not my source. God is my source. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, put your hands together. I have prayed for political leaders, presidents, ministers of states. I pray for businessmen and women who were dying until I intervened by the power of God. And they are bounced back and doing it. They don't even remember me. Some won't even return my calls. But I understand because you don't need me. I said to somebody the other day, a doctor is only relevant when you are sick. And a lawyer is only relevant when you have a problem. And I said to him, he's a pastor, a man of God. He was telling me, and I said, brother, let me tell you something. You are only relevant when people have problems. When their problems are fixed, they don't need you. Understand it. 
and let God be your source. It's God that takes care of us. So stop expecting people to remember you. So I stopped. When I was, when I was young, eh, I used to really feel bad. That how come this person don't remember me? And people will buy new cars. This is people wearing chalet water in church. They will come every three, six months. They come with a new car. Papa, dedicate the car for me. And up to a point, I realized that I was getting angry. That I'm always dedicating new cars. And they never give one to me or the church. So I resigned, and I gave that anointing to Bishop Nyanko. So I said, Bishop, you do the dedication of the cars. So he's been dedicating all the cars. Me, I don't dedicate cars anymore. And Bishop Nyanko, he has patience for that. Me, I don't have tolerance for that. Hallelujah. You know, but that was when I was a young preacher. I was expecting people to show gratitude. But I realized that people are people. People are who they are. People are selfish. They are greedy. They will never appreciate what blesses them. They don't feed what feeds them. And they don't bless what blesses them. They don't do it. They will spend more on something else than what feeds them and than what blesses them. I have come of age. I understand. So I have zero expectation. If you bless me, it is good. If you don't bless me, it is good. If you remember me, it is good. If you don't remember me, it is good because you are not my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Somebody say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not. I shall not have need of anything. I shall have need of nothing. Wanting nothing, needing nothing. Because the Lord is my shepherd. See, I hear you. But hear me. A lot of people think that the gospel was brought to us by the white man. And people think that the gospel is the white man's religion. It's not true. Before the gospel got to Europe, it first came to Africa through the Ethiopian eunuch. The gospel... The gospel got to Cornelius, the Italian soldier, in Acts chapter 10. But before the gospel could reach Europe, it came to Africa in Acts chapter 8. Are you hearing me, somebody? Look at Acts chapter 10. Look at Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Read Acts chapter 10. Look at Cornelius. There was a certain man in Caesarea called uh -huh. Cornelius, uh -huh. a centurion of the band called the Italian band. The Italian band. Stop here. The gospel got to Africa in Acts chapter 8 before it went to Europe. All of us have been given the same opportunity. It's only what you do with time. Europe has 24 hours. America has 24 hours. Africa has 24 hours. It's what we do with our 24 hours. So stop blaming people. I said it at the first service that Ghana is so blessed that we are going to deal with some things today in prayer. We've had some of the most brilliant presidents in the history of this country. I can't vow for the ministers and others, but when it comes to the presidents, I've watched their profile and I've dealt with a lot of them. After Kwame Nkrumah, coming down to the Bouziers and the Ophoriates and coming to President Rawlings and the different military heads of states and coming down to, you know, President Kufo and Atamils and uh, President John Mahama, you know, and this 
present president Akufuado, we've had some of the best. And for whatever reason, this is where the church has to wake up and realize that there's an error somewhere. I'm telling you. Because it doesn't make sense for us to have all the best we've had and still be going to IMF after 65 years. Since independence for 65 years, we've gone to IMF 17 times. And it stands to reason that for whatever reason, we haven't been able to fix the economy. We haven't been able to advance the economy. Singapore had independence in 1960, three years after us. Malaysia had independence 1957, and we helped them. South Korea had independence 1957, and they've all moved on, and we are still marking time. There's an error somewhere. Something is wrong. We have to stop rebuking the sea and go behind the scene and deal with the wind. Something is wrong. Something is not adding up. Something doesn't make sense. I don't care the arguments you make. I also have arguments. But I want to spend my energy and my time in prayer before God to fix things than using my energy to debate and to argue over things that doesn't make sense. And, and you know, I was telling you at the first service, babe, you weren't here. I call Razor babe. Yeah, babe. I was telling you at the first service that someone told me, a wise man told me something that when Dr. Kwame Nkrumah heard about the coup in Ghana. He was flying with this gentleman. And he said in the plane, when he heard about the coup, he said, oh, Ghana. Oh, Ghana. That Ghana may know my good plan for Ghana. Oh, Ghana. Ghana is finished. Finished forever. Now, you see, let me tell you something. As a spiritual man, I understand implications. Somebody say implications. You see, sometimes, eh, a father or a mother don't have to curse you by opening their mouth. Just something like this. Hey, Kwame, Ajua. Now you don't remember me. Hmm. Hmm. Hey. Hmm. Those hmm from a mother or a father has serious implications. Ghana is finished forever. And that's why we've had the best. The different presidents we've had have engaged a lot of them. They are not chicks, oh. These guys are heavy. And when you talk to them before they came into power, they had great, 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 great plans and ideas for this country. And I've spoken to some of them after they left office. I spent time with President Rawlings of blessed memory. Several times I just drive to his house and sit and talk to him. I've talked to some of these past presidents, like President Kufu. These are brilliant, weighty, weighty, weighty guys. And I, I've spoken to them when they were in power, and I speak to them when they are out of power. And it's two different things. For whatever reason, it looks like there is something, there is something that for whatever reason will not let them function and execute and carry out dreams and things. It's like their hands are tied up. And they can't function. They see the problem, but they can't fix it. Jesus. I have another preacher here. There are two preachers here. 
But let me finish preaching, then you can preach. Somebody say, I hear you. Church. Any unexpected crisis and storm program for any individual in this church. Program against our nation in the name of Jesus to drown this nation, to drown any individual. Hear me. The purpose of the storm was to drown the boat and to stop Jesus from getting to the other side. Anything they have programmed in the womb of time, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 14, to drown us, to prevent you from getting to the other side. Say the other side, the other side. Hear me? God has another plan for your life. There's another side of your life. This is not the end of it. Are you hearing me? I'm developing a message entitled, After the Storm. Somebody say, after the storm, after the storm, after the storm. You're going through some storms right now. There is a reason for the storm. But I came to announce to you that there's, there's, there's another side. There's another side of your story. Don't sit there and look at me that with that kind of your look. Are you hearing me, somebody? Lift up your hands and say, talk to me, talk to me. The purpose of the storm was to drown the boat and to stop him from getting to the other side. Stand on your feet one minute. Want to pray a prayer right now? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Say, I will not be drowned. Ah, I'm not going under. I'm not going under. Say, I will not be stopped. I will not be stopped. I will not be incapacitated. I will not be disadvantaged. I will not be disadvantaged. I will not miss it. I am not missing it. Put your hands together. Make those declarations in prayer right now. I will not be drowned. I will not be disadvantaged. I will not be stopped. I will not be incapacitated. I'm breaking through. I'm going to the other side. I'm crossing to the other side. Cross, 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 cross to the other side. Push it, push it, push it, speak it, say it. Open your mouth, speak. Don't be silenced. Nothing happened until you say something. Open your mouth and speak to the wind. Speak to the storm. Speak to the mountain. Speak to your environment. Speak to your circumstances. Speak to your situation. In the name of Jesus, somebody, open your mouth, speak. Now hear me. You see, I've been dealing with the first D, which is major, major, major distraction. Look at some of the distractions just in the physical, apart from the supernatural. Bishop, tell us. The first major distraction is cell phones and texts. Today, husbands are in bed with their wives, and they are not texting their wives. They are not showing affection. They are not talking to their wives anymore. They are, they are on their phone texting somebody. 
talking to somebody and the wife is showing them something. The wife is trying to get the attention of the man and say, baby, look at me. Check me out. And the man ain't listening. And she said, babe, I put on some very nice perfume. Do you smell it? And the man is not there. He's on the text. He's on, he's on the phone, Bishop. He's far away. Today, parents, husband, wife, children are on the dining table eating and nobody is talking to one another. They are all on the text. They are texting. They are doing things. And, and the woman goes to bed with her phone in her hands and she's texting on the phone. She's talking to China in Kukrantumi. She's in, she's in China, but she's in Kukrantumi on the bed. And the husband is hot on fire. And the woman doesn't feel anything. She's cold as cold water. And the man is speaking in tongues. And the woman is speaking in text. Look at the things. Look at it. Put it on the screen. Look at the it. The top 10 most common. The office, 10 what? Top 10 most common office distractions. Uh -huh. Look at it. Number one. The first is cell phone and texting. 50%. Text and cell phone. 50% distractions of the human race. I worry for this generation. I worry a lot for my grandchildren. I look at them and my heart cries. And I pray for them. I pray for them from the bowels of my compassion. And I say, Lord, remember, remember this one. For they are dealing with things we never dealt with. Help them, Lord. Help them. Let your hand be upon them. I make atonement, intercession, petitions, oh God. Gossip, 42%. Gossip, 40 People are into other people's business. And it's all this cell phone issue, you go online and everybody is in everybody's business. Somebody say, I just whaps out something. I say, what? Check it out. And I say, I'm not checking out anything. Stop WhatsApping me. Have you heard? Have you seen? Do you see what's going on? It's trending. And I said, it's none of my business. I don't want to know. I don't care. And I don't want to know anybody's business. Stop sending me negative things. Gossip. You are in everybody's business. Talking about everybody's business but you. When you point finger at others, four is pointing back at you. Go ahead. The internet. Internet. That's about 39% of distraction. 39% distraction. Internet. Go ahead. Social media. Uh-huh. 38%. Yes, sir. Somebody say, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Snap break and in some places, smoke breaks. Uh-huh. 27%. Uh-huh. Noisy co-workers. Uh-huh. 24%. Meetings. 23%. Yes, Emails. Uh-huh. 23%. Co-workers dropping by. Uh-huh. 23%. And then co-workers putting calls on speakerphone just to disturb you. Uh-huh. Listen. Don't drop by my office. Stop dropping by. If you have nothing to do, I have a lot to do. I have to eat throughout the week so I can feed my people on Sunday. So if you don't have anything to do, don't drop by my office, please. I got too many things to do. I have so much to learn so I can feed people. I don't have time for people dropping by to chat. No. But I want you to look at me. 
There's some prayers I want us to pray right now. I, I don't want to go to the, the, the second D. It's too loaded. It's too loaded. Uh, before we get to the experience of Mark chapter 5, and in the synopsis gospel, there is no chapter like Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 had such amazing events that no other chapter of the synopsis gospel have. But before we get there, can you appreciate how and the effort the enemy made to stop Jesus from coming to the other side? Any efforts the enemy has made to prevent you from getting to the other side, today we intercept it. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one 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 once again thank you for joining the archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life transforming power of god's blessings <laughs>